towards the end of Magid, just before we begin Hal, after the Ten Makis and everything else, we quote, uh, which is essentially a Mishnah in Arabic Psachim, the end of Mesechta's Psachim. We say, Amr Abing Amlil, and Amlil says, Whoever doesn't say these three things on Pesach, He's not yet his chiyuv. Whoever doesn't say these three things on Pesach is not yet. What do you have to say? Pesach, Matzah, and Mar. I always found this interesting, you know, after going through a whole Haggadah where you describe Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim in detail, you go from, from how we came down to Mitzrayim and how we suffered in Mitzrayim and then how Hashem listened to our tefillahs and how He took us out of Mitzrayim and, you know, every step of the way. And then we get to the end of the whole Magid and Gamil says, no, you haven't been Yitzhiyah yet because you didn't say Pesach, Matzah and Mar, and it's just hard to understand why are those three things so important that you're not Yitzhah without them. It would seem that the main Yitzhah Mitzrayim is what we've said. The discussion of the story of Yitzhah Mitzrayim, we covered all our bases. So what is it that Pesach, Matzah and Mar adds that it's so significant and it's so integral and can't be Yitzhah without it? And another question is, is that if it's so important, Pesach, Matzah and Mar, why is it last? It should be first. If you can't be Yaitza without saying Pesach Hatzemar, you shouldn't leave it for the very end of the Seder. It should be right after Manishtana, after Avadamayinu, you should say Pesach Hatzemar. And to make the question even stronger, the Shivala HaLeket, in his Haggadah, is one of the Rishayinim, he, he answers a question which is a very famous question. And that is that we ask Manishtana, we ask four questions, right? So we ask, why do we lean? Why do we dip two times? Why do we eat matzah? Why do we eat mar? And then we answer with Avadim Hayinu. And Avadim Hayinu doesn't seem to answer all those questions. Avadim Hayinu is just saying we were slaves and we left. So he says it doesn't. Avadim Hayinu really only answers why we lean. And the answer is, is that since we were slaves and now we're free, we want to demonstrate freedom, so that's why we lean. But where is the answer to the other three questions? He says that is Rebbe Gamliel. That's the answer to the other three questions. We explain why we eat matzah. We explain why we eat mar. So once you see that, so then it's even harder to understand. So if that's the answer to the Manishtana, so why are we waiting all the way till the end of the Haggadah, Amr Gamliel, to tell you the answer to the Manishtana? Why don't we say it right away? If it's the most important thing, you know, not Yetzir without it, and that's the answer to the Manishtana, why does it wait until the end of the Haggadah to be said? Why isn't it said immediately? Now, if you examine the Psukim in the Torah, where the Torah obligates us in this mitzvah of Sipir Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim and sharing it with our children, What's in, very interesting is that you'll notice that all, the sto- all, all this chiyuv of, of explaining to our children always revolves around a mitzvah that we're doing. For example, the first one is in Parshas Bay. You will tell your children on that day, because of this, Hashem did this for me, took, me, took us out of Mitzrayim. And Rashi explains, what's Baburzeh? Because I'm being keeping his mitzvahs. I'm being Mikhaim Pesach Matzah Mar Halalu. So you point to the Pesach Matzah Mar and you tell them, this is what you, this is what Torah tells you to tell your children. Because of these three mitzvahs, that's why I'm being taken out of Mitzrayim. The second time it says it in Parshas Bay again. It says, Your child would ask you on that day, what is this mitzvah that you're performing? 
And the mitzvah that's being referred to over there is the mitzvah of bringing the bachar, your firstborn sheep, to uh, as a carbon, or to do pidyon bachar, to, to give money to a kain because of your bachar. So it's revolving around a mitzvah that we're doing, and your child will ask you why you're doing this mitzvah, and you explain him the mitzvah, and you say, Because Hashem took me out of Mitzrayim, that's why I do this mitzvah. And lastly, in Parshas Vaschanan is the question of the Chacham. He says, The whole question you say in the Haggadah, why do you do all these mitzvahs? And you give him a long answer. And then you end the final point, conclusion of your answer that the Torah tells you to give your children is, um, Hashem commanded me to do all these commandments because it's going to be so good for us. If we keep the mitzvahs that Hashem told us to keep. So the Torah tells us, you know what message I want you to give over to your children? In Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim, this is the message, that it's so good to keep mitzvahs. You want to give the message to your children, why am I doing the mitzvahs? Because Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, that's why I do mitzvahs. And mitzvahs are the best thing possible for us. So it's very clear in the Psukim that Sipri Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim is essentially here to teach your children we're here to do mitzvahs. Now, let's think about that for a minute. Why is that? Why is the mitzvahs, key of mitzvahs, the key to Sipri Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim, to talking about Mitzrayim? The essence of our Amunah, what we are as Jews, is that we're here to serve Hashem. And at the core of that belief is that serving Hashem is the very best possible thing that we can have on this world. There's nothing better than that. The, 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 it's the ultimate good in the world, as the Messiah Shashom writes in his very first chapter, in his introduction to his Sefer. It's the best thing possible. There's nothing better than that. And the purpose of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim was clarified to Moshe Rabbeinu the very first time HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke to him on the snare. He told him, When I take this nation out of Mitzrayim, they're going to serve Hashem on this mountain. The purpose of taking Kal Yisrael out of Mitzrayim was so that they can do mitzvahs, they can be mikabal the Torah. We say it in Tzitzis every day. I am Hashem who took you out of Mitzrayim. To be your God, Rashi explains. That is the condition that I took you out of Mitzrayim for. You should keep my mitzvahs. That was the purpose of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, so that we could keep mitzvahs, we can do mitzvahs. All the praise and the thanks that we give to Hashem throughout the Haggadah, we describe who we were and what we have become and how much we've suffered and how much Hashem has saved us, is all a backdrop for the ultimate praise, is that we left Mitzrayim to become servants of Hashem. We've been given that opportunity, we've been given that ability. And this is what we conclude the answer in the Torah to the Ben Chacham. We tell him, We have the best possible inheritance in the world. We've been given the, the greatest blessing in the world that we have the ability to serve Hashem and to do mitzvahs. Tzedakah is the best thing we can possibly have. On the night of Pesach, we're so committed to doing mitzvahs and to demonstrating our service to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that Reb Revda quotes, in the name of someone named Rav Yosef Shlomo, who was a big tzaddik in Nebrak, who was a Talmud of Rabbi Chanan Vassarman, Hashem Yim Kandamai, and Rabbi Chanan Vassarman said in the name of the Vilna Gain that there are 65 mitz- 64 mitzvahs that we keep on the night of Pesach, a total of 64 mitzvahs that are kept on the night of Pesach, and Rabbi Revda says that he had a whole kailo try to figure out what are those 65 mitzvahs. 
and I, I actually had a very hard time figuring out what they are. I tried, I added everything possible. He says you can count everything. You can count every single bracha, every single mitzvah derabanan that there is, every takonis chazal. So I counted everything and recounted everything, and, and, and very, very, with a great difficulty, I got up to 65. It's a very good, it's a, it's a great thing to do with your kids, to try to make this calculation. You can start from Hadlakas Neiris, and the bracha on Hadlakas Neiris, and then Matzah, and Mara, and brachas, and Arbukaisis, and brachas, and Arbukaisis. Keep on going, see how many you can come up with. But we do this many mitzvahs. We do this many mitzvahs to demonstrate our avdus Hakadosh Baruch Hu, How excited we are about doing mitzvahs. The fascinating part of all this that this fundamental truth that the importance that mitzvahs have to us isn't necessarily something we talk about. It's something we actually demonstrate. We demonstrate to our children with the excitement and with the enthusiasm and with the gishmak that we have when we're mekayim the mitzvahs. That's really how we communicate that to our children, how important the mitzvahs are to us, how much it means to us, how much we value the mitzvahs. My, my father, Irene Kaparas Mishkava, you know, he loved Divrei Taira. He loved Vertlach. He loved Pshatim. And whenever we would call him, he did, we barely schmoozed. What we did was we exchanged Vertlach. I would tell him a nice word. He would tell me a nice word. If one of my brothers told me a nice word, he would t- tell him a nice word. He would tell it over to me. He loved Vertlach. On the night of the Seder, everybody was ready to say Vertlach. And he listened, you know, to some amount, but he could not wait to get to Matzah and he told me as much. He said, you know, that is what I want to get up to. I want to be able to climb those mitzvahs. He didn't have a lot of patience to hear Vetloch. By Shulchan Aruch, he was ready. You could then, you could talk, you could talk, no problem. You know, until Chasais, but there was no, no problem hearing, hearing Tyra then, and we talked, and we talked and learning. But first, he had to get to the Matzah Mar. That was his demonstration. Matzah Mar was so important to him. But the real answer to the question, why it is that Ram Gamliel, if it's so important, and it's what the Torah says we need to talk about is the mitzvahs, why is it all the way at the end of the Haggadah? And it's the actual answer the Torah wants us to give, and the reason is, is because we have to have a context. We have to tell her to explain first something to our children, is we have to demonstrate to our children that the mitzvahs are the best thing for us. And the way we demonstrate that is by demonstrating that everything HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for us was only to benefit us. So we need to have the whole backdrop of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. We need to have the whole demonstration of how Hashem cared about us, and He saw how much we suffered, and He was Meshkiach B'Pratis, He knew exactly what's going on to us, and everything that happened to us was repaid, all the evil that was done to us was repaid, Mida Kenegin, Mida, every single person suffered for what they did, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu did Nisim and Eflois, and then He took us into the Midbar, and He gave us Man, and He gave us the Be'er, and He surrounded us with an Anayah Kavit, and He showered us with blessing upon blessing, and bracha upon bracha, and He elevated us, and He made us into such a great nation. That demonstrates that everything HaKadosh Baruch Hu did is only for us, only for our benefit. And then, when that message is clear, we can now explain what the mitzvahs are about. Because then we can communicate the message the Torah wants us to communicate. Utsudaka tiyalanu. Nothing is better than for us than the mitzvahs that we do. Because that's the message we have to give. We have to explain what the mitzvahs are about. That's what Sipi Yusuf Mitzrayim is about. But it has to be in that context that there's nothing better for us other than keeping the mitzvah. So we need the whole preface of how, how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu has done for us and throughout history and how much He has elevated us and given us so many brachas. Now our children will understand everything Hashem does is for our good. Now we can say that's why we do mitzvahs, because we understand there's nothing better. So when we now go and explain Pesach Matzah Amor, you know what we're really doing? 
What we're really doing when we're explaining Pesach Matzah Amar is we're explaining how it is that these mitzvahs are so good for us. We're going to now give a little demonstration to our children. Let me show you what these mitzvahs did for us. We kept these mitzvahs and let me explain to you what a tremendous benefit we reaped from doing these mitzvahs. That's what we're explaining when we say Pesach al-Shumah, Matzah al-Shumah, Mor al-Shumah. We're going to now explain to our children how, we'll give a little demonstration, how mitzvahs change us, how they elevate us, and how they make us different people. <clears throat> Rav Shach says uh, an amazing thing, Rav Shach Zetzal. He says that Kali Yisrael were taken out of Mitzrayim in a rush, Bechipazim. Why was it a rush? Because they were Memtes Shari Tumah, they were descending deeper and deeper into Tumah, and they were almost at the point of no return, and HaKadosh Baruch had to take them out. So he says, let's think about this for a minute. He says, you know, if at the moment of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim they were about to fall beyond Memtes Shari Tumah, that means this was, this was a slow descent, it was a slow process. They were in Mitzrayim for 200 years, right? So it was getting worse, and 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 finally the very last moment was that moment of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, and Hashem caught them just before they fell into the abyss. But he says, one second, the whole last year of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, what were Kali Yisrael doing? They weren't working anymore, they weren't slaves to the Mitzrayim anymore, they were watching Makas Dam, Makas Tzafardeya, Maka after Maka, Nisim and Nefloi, Zekot Moshe Rabbeinu was going up to Parah and able to leave and unchallenged, and he brought a Maka, they were watching all these Nisim and Nefloi, why were they falling deeper? Why were they falling deeper and deeper into the depths of Tumah? They should have been arrested, that descent, a whole year earlier. Why was it that the last moment they, they were about to fall into the 49th level? So he says, Rav Shach says, that what you see and what you witness and things that happen around you, they're not going to change you. And sometimes it can, make even, it can make things even worse. He says, the only thing that will change a person is if he chooses to change. All the Nisim and the Floyes and all the things that a person witnesses are just opportunity to change. But until a person makes that choice to change, they're not going to cause them to change. So the Kali Yisrael were witnessing all these Nisim and Afloyes, and they were still descending into the Memtes Shari Tumah. When did it actually change? When Kali Yisrael started to do Pesach Matzah At the moment when they decided to do something, they made a choice, they moved forward, they were Mekai Mitzvahs, the Mesiris Nefesh. That is when the descent into Tumah stopped, and they left out of Mitzrayim. They, they, and that was their catalyst to take them out of Mitzrayim. So this is the point of Pesach, Matzah, and Mar. It is the most integral and the central point of the Seder. The point of Yitzhiya Sipri Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, as the Torah tells us, is just to demonstrate to our children why we keep mitzvahs and to inspire them to keep mitzvahs and to explain what mitzvahs are to us. And what we're going to now teach our children is the mitzvahs that we did took us out of Mitzrayim. And we're going to now teach our children how it is that those mitzvahs took us out of Mitzrayim. So let's examine each one of these mitzvahs and try to get an understanding what it is about these mitzvahs that we're trying to communicate and what it is that elevates us. They say, Pesach al-Shummah, right? Al-Shummah, Pesach al-Kadosh Baruch Hu al-Bata v'Seinu b'Mitzrayim. Kadosh Baruch Hu jumped over, passed over our houses in Mitzrayim. Rashi brings from a Chazal in the Pasuk, Adam, that HaKadosh Baruch will see the blood on the door and he'll pass over your houses. So Rashi says, what do you mean he'll see? Hashem sees everything. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to focus on the fact that you're doing my mitzvahs and that's going to cause me to pass over you. <clears throat> what does that mean? Hashem sees all. So what was this focus? He was focusing on us doing mitzvahs to cause him to pass over us. During the whole time of the ten makis, 
When HaKadosh Baruch Hu was punishing the Mitzrim and bringing all these Nisim and the Flois, what was happening was, was HaKadosh Baruch Hu was choosing us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was choosing Klal Yisrael. He had made a promise to the others. He had already chosen Klal Yisrael and through, through choosing Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. And this was going on throughout the whole year. But Klal Yisrael themselves had not chosen Hashem. They hadn't made any move to demonstrate that they choose Hashem. And that choice that Klal Yisrael made to choose Hashem that took place on Yud Nisan, which was Shabbos Hagal, when Klal Yisrael took that sheep, which was the idol of Mitzrayim, and they rejected idolatry, and they rejected the Mitzrayim, and they tied it to their bed, B'mesiris Nefesh, they chose Hashem. Now you think about that for a minute. <clears throat> you know, we think that, you know, the Mitzrayim were so beat up for the whole year, and they had seen so much punishment from Hashem, so that's why they didn't, like, do anything when Klal Yisrael took the sheep. But if you think about it, you know, people... Are very, feel very strong about their religion. And people are willing to give up their life for their religion. And Arabs, as we know, Arab extremists, which is what Mitzrayim were, are very willing to die for the sake of their religion. And the, every single Mitzri would have died for the sake of his idol that he saw being taken and shechted by Klai Yisrael. And they, Klai Yisrael were slaves. They were subjugated by the Mitzrayim all this time. This was a tremendously courageous act that Klai Yisrael took the sheep, they were not sure at all that the Mitzrayim wouldn't lash out, maybe at the risk of their own lives, but they would do it, they would do it to, wait, look, we give up our lives for our religion, as they would, they would have as well. So Klai Yisrael taking this sheep was a tremendous act of mysterious nefesh and a trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and they were choosing, they were choosing HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It was a choice that they made by doing this mitzvah. <coughs> and that choice, when they put the blood... And HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw, you're a sukkim that you've chosen me, now I choose you. When now there's a decision, you or Mitzrim, should the Mitzrim be wiped out? Should they not be? And Ha'olu Avedezar, you chose me. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, now I choose you. And every time a Yid does a mitzvah, and this is the message we're giving from Karben Pesach, every time we do a mitzvah, and any mitzvah we do, when we do a mitzvah, we're choosing Hashem. And it's such a fundamental point. Every single mitzvah a person does, every commandment we, we keep of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're making a choice and we're choosing HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu then chooses us. And we become that much closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This choice defines Kala Yisrael throughout history. We have always, throughout history, chosen HaKadosh Baruch Hu, no matter what the situation, no matter how much mysterious nefesh it takes. And I saw this beautiful story about Rabbi Chaim Slavatitsky. He's a Chabad Shliach in Fort Lauderdale. This happened in 2011. He had just moved to Fort Lauderdale. So he ordered hundreds of pounds of Shmur Matzah, Shmur Matzah boxes, and he was distributing them to any Jew he could find. So one Jew who was not so religious, was a doctor, invited him to come to his office. So he came to this doctor's office, and he saw him in his scrubs, and he said, oh, I don't have time to speak to you now, right now, Rabbi, I'll take a box. But you know, there's another Jew, a woman waiting in my office. Why don't you offer her a box as well? <clears throat> so he goes over to this woman waiting in the office and he says, hi, can I offer you some matzah for Passover? The woman stands up so quickly that she drops her purse and she says, no, 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 no I'm not religious. Uh, so he, Rabbi Slavitsky says, well, it's free. So she says, I just don't believe in organized religion. So Rabbi Slavitsky takes out a business card and he gives it to her. She takes it and uh, says, if you need me, you can always reach out and call me. And he leaves. Months later, before Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi Slavatitsky gets a call, <clears throat> and she says, Hi, I'm Maya, I'm that rude lady from the, from the doctor's office a few months ago. 
my father is 78, and he's in the hospital, and the doctors have just given, he's, he's terminal, <coughs> terminal cancer, and the doctors have given him 48 hours, and he asked if we can get him in touch with a rabbi. Now, I don't know any rabbis, but you gave me your business card, so would you be willing to come and see my father? So Rabbi agreed, he drove, drove to the hospital, and he met Maya in the lobby. She invited him to come up to her father's room. She said, I have a sister, Samantha. She's there, but she really doesn't want to meet you. She, she really doesn't want to have anything to do with a rabbi. So he went up to the room, and she says, Maya tells him, you know, it's very puzzling to me because my father never did anything Jewish at all. And it's strange to me that right now he would want to meet a rabbi. So as soon as he walks into the room, this Samantha, the other sister, walks out, <clears throat> and Ronnie, the father, starts talking to the rabbi, and he explains to him what his life was all about. He said he had a great position in a newspaper company, had wonderful daughters, he was very prosperous, but he was a very bad Jew. So Elisavetitsky tells him, well, you know, there's no such thing as a bad Jew. So at that point, Ronnie says, you know, Maya, Samantha, could you step out? Give me a few moments alone with the rabbi. They step out, they close the door. So Ronnie says, you know, Rabbi, I was born a Jew, and I want to die a Jew too. So Rabbi Slavitsky says, sure, I'll be very happy to arrange a Jewish funeral, you know, the way we bury you in a Jewish cemetery. So, so Ronnie says, no, 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 you don't understand what I mean. I want to die a Jew. I was born a Jew, but I never had a bris. I want to die a Jew with a bris. Rabbi, the door is closed. You, no one's watching. Go ahead, do what you need to do. <laughs> so Rabbi Slavitsky says, you know, oh, oh, I wasn't expecting that one. I'm not a male, <clears throat> but I'm going to see if I can make it happen. So Ronnie says, you know, time is not on my side anymore. Promise me, please, that I'll die a Jew. So he, Rabbi Slavitsky calls several Milan, and he finds someone that's willing to come down. It's the day before Rosh Hashanah. He's willing to come down from southern Florida to make the bris that afternoon. But as he's in the middle of you know, making this, these uh, phone calls, a nurse overhears what's going on. She says, you think you're going to perform a circumcision in the hospital on this man in the hospital? There's no way we're going to allow that. That's not legal. We can't allow you to do that. Our insurance will never allow that. So Rabbi Slavitsky was a friend with one of the doctors in the hospital. So he had him paged and he said, you know, is there anything you can do about this? Is there any way we can push, push this through? So the doctor said, you know what, let me get call legal and I'll discuss it with them. I'll see if there's anything we can do. So the doctor calls back after a couple of minutes and he tells Rabbi Slavitsky that if you can find a male who's also a doctor, who's covered by the same insurance that the hospital uses, then the hospital will allow you to go forward with it. So Rabbi Slavitsky, he tried. He started calling every male that he could find listed in Florida. None of them fit the bill. He went down to, to called in Georgia, Atlanta, nothing. Finally, he located one doctor in Brooklyn who was a doctor, who was a male, and also was covered by the same insurance. And the doctor agreed to do it. He flew down, and the next day, Arab Rosh Hashanah, <clears throat> 3 o'clock, Ronnie had a bris in the hospital. And he chose the name Avram. He was 78 years old. Avram was 99. He felt he had something in common. He chose the Jewish name Avram for himself. So Ronnie said, you know, people always talk about Jewish guilt but it never reached me. I had a good life, a good business, two beautiful daughters, a house, even a boat. I never looked for more and I never wanted to. When that doctor came in and told me that I had 48 hours to live, it triggered so many thoughts and I realized that the one thing I didn't have a relationship with was the one thing that I'm going to be taking with me and that's my soul. The one thing that will be left of everything that I own, I have nothing to do with. So as soon as that doctor mentioned that I realized that everything I had was empty, was worthless, 
And I thought about a bris, and I asked my daughters to call a rabbi, at least now, I have something to go to God with. I have something to take. I'm ready to meet God now. A Jew is a Jew. And after 78 years, his soul just didn't let him go without making that choice. And he lived actually a little more than 48 hours. He was able to hold Lulav and Estrig for the first time in his life of the Yontav of Sukkis. And the day before Simchas Tairi, he passed away. And Maya and Samantha had been planning a cremation, which is obviously much cheaper, but Rabbi Slavatitsky said, your father's a holy man, and they agreed to let him have a Jewish burial, which Rabbi Slavatitsky footed the bill for. Three years later, Rabbi Slavatitsky hosted a Hachnasa Sefer in his shul in, in, uh, in Fort Lauderdale, and he received a few days later a check and a letter from a woman in Atlanta, and the letter read, I was at the party you hosted last week, watching the parade accompanying the Torah scroll down the streets of Fort Lauderdale and hearing people speak about their connection to Torah, its timeless values, it woke up a part of me that I didn't know existed. I never planned to give my son a bar mitzvah, but I made arrangements for him to learn with a local rabbi. And this check is to cover some of the costs of my father's Jewish funeral. Thank you for taking care of him when I wouldn't. With a grateful heart, Samantha. So here's a man who, when all things fell away, realized that he had to make that choice. He had to choose Hashem. Whenever we do a mitzvah, we choose Hashem. This man made that final choice, made that all-important choice, which is what Karben Pesach is there to teach us. We can choose Hashem, and when we choose Hashem, He chooses us, and we become elevated beyond belief. That's Karben Pesach. Then we explain Matzah Zusha Mal Shema. Why do we eat Matzah? The matzah that we attribute, the mitzvah of matzah to, is the matzah that Klai Yisrael left Mitzrayim with. The one they didn't have time to allow to rise properly, Hashem rushed them out of Mitzrayim. And when we look at the psukum, we see an amazing thing. There were two matzahs that Klai Yisrael took out of Mitzrayim with them. And they're both referred to by the Pasik. The Pasik says, They took this dough before it became chametz, and they carried it in their clothing on their shoulder. Which matzah were they carrying in their shoulder? Rashi says, Shiore matzah imara, the leftover matzah imara, because they had a Seder. Claudius had the first Seder in history. The night before, they ate Pesach, they put the blood on the doorsteps, and they ate it with matzah imara, and they were carrying the leftover matzah imara on their shoulders out of Mitzrayim. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you do with the leftover matzah imara? What do we do with the leftover matzah imara, right? Uh, maybe if there's some romaine lettuce left over, you use it for a salad, but chrein, we throw it away. Well, this was their very first mitzvah. They were not throwing it away. They carried it with them out of its rhyme on their shoulders. And Rebrevdus is a beautiful thing. Rebrevdus says that Klai Yisrael left Mitzrayim. It says in Chazal, each one of them had 90 donkeys loaded with the gold and silver of Mitzrayim. So he says, you know, when we go on a plane, we take a suitcase, we take a carry-on. What do we put in the suitcase? Put our clothing and stuff. Our carry-on, we put the things that are, we don't trust to be in our suitcase, things we need for the plane, our towels and fill-in, we put our jewelry in the carry-on. But what if you're holding a couple of thousand dollars in cash? Where do you put that? That you put in your pocket. You don't put it anywhere else. You keep that in your pocket. So he says, Claudius Yisrael had gold and silver. That they put on their donkeys. That was their suitcase. But the, the matzah and marah, that they wouldn't put anywhere else. They're going to carry that in their pocket. It was the most valuable thing for them. It was the very first mitzvah. Kali Yisrael did. The matzah and the mara, that they were not putting anywhere else, that they were carrying in their pocket. Now, if you think of it a little further, this matzah was no ordinary matzah. The matzah they took out of Mitzrayim, 
This matzah sustained them for the next 30 days. The Pasik says that Bnei Yisrael Achulasaman Arbaim Shana. Klai Yisrael ate man 40 years. Rashi asks, they didn't eat man 40 years. They ate man 40 years minus a month because the man only started a month after they left Mitzrayim. So Rashi brings Chazal that the, the matzah is Shehaitziu Yisrael Me Mitzrayim Tomu Behem Tamman. The matzah that Klai Yisrael took out of Mitzrayim tasted of the taste of man. So much so that the Pasik says they ate man for a full 40 years. The first 30 days was matzah man. So that means they created man. Klal Yisrael made this matzah and they created man. Man is a piece of oil haba. It's, lo- it's liquid oil haba. It's what the Malachim ate. It's what Malachim eat. Klal Yisrael created it. That very first mitzvah, they, they, they had that power to create a piece of man. And that's what they lived on. The next 30 days, that matzah that they created with their hands, their mitzvah, their commandment, when they came out of Mitzrayim. And that demonstrates to us what a mitzvah is, what the value of a mitzvah is. It's a piece of El Mahabah. Now you think about it, there's a Gemara Bab Metziah. The Gemara Bab Metziah says that Rabbi Baravu met Eliyahu Navi, and they had a long halachic discussion. And then Eliyahu Navi asks him, why don't you learn Seder Taris? So Rabbi Baravu says, I have a hard enough time learning four starim, Mayid, Nashim, Nazikim, Kachim. How am I supposed to learn Seder Taris? Eliyahu Navi says, what's the problem? So he says, I'm very poor, I'm busy, I have to work. So Eliyahu Navi gives him a ride into Ganadin, and he pulled off a couple of leaves, and he said, take these leaves. And sell them. So as he's leaving Ganadin, Rabbi Ravua hears that they're saying, Abasko, oh, look at this person who's taking from his El Mabam, bringing it into this world. So he says, you know what? I, I don't need this. So he puts the leaves back. But he had put the leaves in his bag. And as he's leaving, the, he kept the bag. And the bag had a scent, it had the smell of the leaves. And he sold that bag that had the smell of the leaves of El Mabam for 12,000 golden coins. So that's the value of the scent of the leaves. Of Oil Maba has the value of 12,000 golden coins. So Kali Yisrael understood matzah is the most valuable thing on earth. It's a piece of Oil Maba. It's man. And it sustained them for the next 30 days. And it's not only that. And this is really the truth of the depth of what we're explaining to our children about matzah is that Kal Yisrael left Mitzrayim, all they took to eat was this matzah. They didn't take anything else. Now, I think we can safely say that if we go on a road trip, every Jew that goes on a road trip, at least 50% of what he packs is food, generally speaking, at least. Now, I remember being in Eretz Yisrael once, and it was a three-day yantib, because the very, it's unusual in Eretz Yisrael, it's when Rosh Hashanah, is followed by Shabbos, because otherwise they only have one day Yantav, Rosh Hashanah, they have two days Yantav and Shabbos. So it's a three-day Yantav, and they're not used to it. For a week or a week or two before, you couldn't find milk or bread in the grocery. They were just buying it all up, because it's three days of Yantav, how are we going to have enough? You know, that's the attitude we have, you know, oh my gosh, we're gonna, how are we going to have enough food? And Kalal Yisrael went with millions of people into a desert where there is no food, and everybody needed food, and they didn't take any food with them. All they took was matzah. It was the greatest act of betachin and reliance on HaKadosh Baruch Hu and his batlus, total giving over to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world that there ever, ever was. And because of that, we say, Ad melech lachem. It was the greatest act of malchius, of giving and attributing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's sovereignty in this world. He was melech malchem lachem. We use that language specifically by matzah because at that point, we truly made a Kaddish Baruch Hu into Melech Malchei Amlachim. He rules over all and we don't need to do anything. We can totally rely on Him. And as the ultimate act
act of Anava and his battles to Hashem, and that's what Matzah did for us. And that is what matzah elevates, is what it does for us as a people. And that's what we're communicating to our, our children. Matzah zu al shemma. zu Why do we eat mar? To remember the bitterness that we lived through. So many Mepharshim ask, first of all, Pesach, matzah, mar, mar should have come first. Chronologically speaking, first they suffered, and then they had the matzah. But also, why is it so important to remember the bitterness? What's the importance of it? Why is that so significant to remember what we suffered? We say in the Bracha Achreina, Baron of Fashas Rabbis Vichasroinan. Kajboru created many people, Vichasroinan. What does Vichasroinan mean? The Chassam Cypher says Vichasroinan means that Kajboru created us and he created us missing. He created us with needs. He created us with necessities. And he said, by doing that, the Chassam Cypher says, Hakajboru gave us the greatest gift. Because now, since we need, we turn to Hashem. Since we, are, uh, we, we have so many things we need food, clothing, shelter. We turn to Hashem for it. It's the guarantee that we should look for a relationship for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we bless Hashem for doing that for us. That's what Mara is. The suffering, the difficulties, the, the, the struggles in our lives are there so that we should have reason to, to, to think about ourselves and to look to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help us with it. When we look back and we see how much our struggles have benefited us, we say, wow, we've benefited that now we have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's a story about Rav Shleim Kluger. He was once presided, he was the, the rabbi of the city of Brod, so God Adar, about 200 years ago, and he presided over a fascinating dintaira. Two men came to him for a dintaira. One was a baker, who was a very, very pious man, a big tzaddik. Everybody knew him to be a tzaddik. He davened and he learned and he worked. And there was a rich man. And apparently the baker and the rich man had made a deal. The rich man had approached him and said, you know what, I want you to give up your bakery, I want you to just daven and learn and say Tehillim all day, and in that's chus, my business will flourish, and I'll support you. And the baker had accepted those terms. And this went on for a little while, and in truth, the rich man, his business did flourish. And then the, the baker went to the rich man and said, you know what, I can't do this anymore, I want out. And the rich man said, I don't agree, we made a contract, and I'm benefiting quite a bit from this, I want to continue it. So they went to a dintaira to Rosh Lemekluger. So Rosh Lemekluger asked the baker, why are you backing out? This is great. So the baker said, you know, Rabbi, I used to have a bakery, and I had to rely on a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that he give me customers, that the prices of flour don't rise too much, that my bread comes out good, and it doesn't get burned, and everything works out. And day in and day out, I had to rely on a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And when I davened, it was a different davening. And when I learned, it was a different learning. And I said to Hillam, it was different. And now this person came, and he supports me, and I don't have a bakery anymore, and it's just not the same. I just don't have that connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu anymore. And I just don't want to give that up. I want my bakery back. I don't want to be supported. I want to have that opportunity to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, I didn't know what the end of the story was, but after saying it on Shabbos, um, young Miss Mandelbaum told her father that this story is actually on a tape, a CD. And the end of the story was, apparently that the rich person, when he heard the reason why the baker wanted to back out, he says, if that's the reason, I agree to allow you to back out of the contract. And that's the value that we have, of when HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes things difficult for us, we're praising Hashem for Mara after the fact. We do it after we have the matter, after we have our redemption. While we're suffering, it's hard to see. But after the fact, we say, Hashem ki bi. I thank you, Hashem, that you've made things so difficult for me because it's offered me this opportunity to connect to you. My, my Rosh Hashiva, Rab, um, Avram Azban, he 
he went to visit Rav Shmuel Rozovsky, that's how Rav Shmuel Rozovsky was the Rosh Hashiva of Panovich, one of the three Rosh Hashivas, and he had an extraordinarily difficult life. He, he um, lost his whole family in the war, and he got married after the war, and he got divorced, and he had a very difficult personal life. And then he, at the very young age, he was suffering from cancer, and he was in New York to get treatment. So Rav Osman went to visit him. And Rav Shmuel Rozovsky told him, he said, you know, Lassad Lava when Mashiach comes, the world will look like this huge locker room and there's going to be a bunch of hooks and everybody's peckle, everybody's bag of their life and their tzaras and their nisyonis is going to be hanging on the wall. This is Chaim's, this is Yankel's, this is Shmerel's, this is Moshe's. And a Kodesh Baruch will say, everybody, look at these bags, choose anyone you want. You can have anybody's life you want. And Shmuel Rozovki said, I'm telling you, everybody will be tripping over each other to get their own bag. Because they know that what Hashem gave them was what they needed. What Hashem gave them was what enabled them to be the best people that they could be. There is another aspect that Mara is an Avaida for itself. Because many times without suffering we simply don't realize where we're holding. We don't realize, we're not woken up to our situation. We don't recognize the need for change. We don't recognize how much has to change about our lives. And Mara gives us that ability. There's an interesting question was once asked to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He had been speaking about how a mitzvah, every mitzvah you do compliments you like if you have, a, you have a suit and you have a shirt and you have nice shoes and then you do a mitzvah, it's like the tie that completes the ensemble. So a non-religious person approached him, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and asked him, why is it that then you send out shaluchim to put tefillin on people and have them do a mitzvah? We don't do any mitzvahs. So for us, you're putting a tie on a person without any clothing. That's ridiculous. That's, a, that, that, that's hypocritical. Why, what's the point of then us doing one mitzvah when we're not doing any of the rest of the mitzvahs? So the Babacher Rebbe thought about it and he said, you know, you're right. But sometimes a person only realizes that he's not wearing clothing when he puts on his tie. He puts on his tie, then he says, oh my gosh, I'm not wearing anything else. And that's what Mara does for us. It brings that to our attention that... The things aren't perfect about us. We aren't living the perfect life. There is so much about us. And that's why we say, We thank Hashem. You have, you have given us difficulty. And that has been the greatest thing for us in our life. So to summarize, Rav Gamliel says, we have to explain Pesach, Matzah, and Mora, and it's the key element of the Seder, because what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to transmit in the Seder is that the mitzvahs are the very best thing for us, and we came out of Mitzrayim to serve Hashem. The greatest gift He has given us is the ability to do mitzvahs. And we have to preface it with the whole Seder to demonstrate how everything Hashem does is for the good. So now we can convince our children the mitzvahs are tzedakah tiyolanu, it's the best thing possible. And then we explain each mitzvah how much it has benefited us. And we explain carbon Pesach is when we chose Hashem through the mysterious nefesh, and the Jews always choose Hashem. And when we choose Hashem, Hashem chooses us. And we demonstrate how matzah was the greatest act of bitachin and reliance on Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and it brought us up to such a tremendous degree that we were able to eat a piece of oil and haba, the most valuable thing possible. We had that in this life, in this world. We made it with our own hands. We created a haba, and it was the most valuable thing for us. And we talk about the difficulties and the struggles, and we point out. To our children, look, everything that even seems difficult is only there to make our life better, to make us better, to make us closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and only through those difficulties do we have that opportunity to connect to Hashem and to change ourselves. May Hashem bless us all with a beautiful, kosher, elevated Pesach, and may this year be the year of Lashana Habab Yerushalayim.